The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. Hi, and I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year survivor, and we're the co-founders of Breast Friends. We have a fun topic today and two awesome guests, Chef Ryan Callahan and his wife, Jessie. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I went through chemo, food tasted Bad. Not only that, but it smelled bad. <laughs> and things I loved no longer had the same appeal. And even to this day, some of those things I cannot eat. And our guests today are going to share their ideas on cooking for chemo. And I just would love to welcome Chef Ryan and Jesse. Hey, Hello. Guys. Hello. <laughs> how are, are you? So Good, how are you guys? Well, we're fabulous. Just having a great morning. And Jesse, I heard a rumor about you. Uh-oh, so, what, what's that? <laughs> Ryan is a chef, and and you have trouble with boiling water? Like, for real? <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us about that? I am embarrassed, but yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> boiling the water is a little bit of an over-exaggeration to make the point, but yes. Um, one of the things most recently was my grilled cheese incident. And <laughs> okay, let's hear about that. I accidentally turned my grilled cheese into charcoal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I'm starting to learn a lot from Ryan, doing the show with him, obviously, our online uh, show. Um, but, yeah, I, I attempted to make grilled cheese. I was hungry. He wasn't home. And uh, on his way back in, I, I had thrown it outside in the yard. And he came inside and he's like, what is that outside? And I was it's like, hockey puck. <laughs> I was That's like, what I called it. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like hockey. I like hockey. So we're guessing like, who does most of the cooking in your house. I think we probably know that, don't we? Yes. Um, I'll, I only have to turn on the puppy dog eyes and, Ryan, I'm hungry. Feed me. <laughs> and, and he's like, all right, I'll feed you. Why do I always have to cook? And I'm like, do you really want me to cook for you? And he's like, good point. I'll cook. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well if, you wanna, like, if you want to eat, Ryan, I guess that's kind of your option, right? Yeah, I like I like to make the joke that learning how to cook was a survival mechanism because nobody yeah. in my family really knew how to cook. Like my grandfather's cooked on the high holidays kind of thing, but like my my mom and my grandma and my other grandma, none of them cooked. I mean, what my mom made for dinner was reservations. You know, that's the classical joke. You know, and my dad was like, like, uh, hey, you know, my mom was like. Hey, hey, Jim, can you take me somewhere nice, somewhere I've never been for uh, for a holiday, for a vacation, for anniversary? He goes, sure, how about the kitchen? 
someone different. Oh, huh? That's great. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, I know. It sounds like there's hope for all of us who can't cook very well. So I'm excited to hear what you have to share with us today. So why don't you guys take a minute and introduce yourselves to us? Tell us about your story and kind of how you met and all of that. Just sure. anything you uh, want to say. I'm uh, Chef Ryan Callahan. Uh, I am the lovely voice on the end of this radio. Uh, <laughs> um, so I guess a little bit about me. Uh, I've worked in. I've been working in hospitality, which is restaurants and hotels, for 15 years. I've run done everything from cleaning dishes to chopping lettuce to cl- clearing busing and uh, serving and being a cook and a chef and all the way up to a general manager and. Uh, we opened our own little catering company for a little bit, which, of course, horribly failed. And, uh, you know, because apparently you need money to operate businesses, apparently. So, <laughs> so, it's a little detail, yeah. Um, you know, and we've lived we've lived in three different states now together, you know, Texas, Colorado, and here in Missouri where we're at right now. And so we've just been cooking and moving and experiencing the world and doing all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, one of the big goals in my life was that I wanted to study under a lot of different chefs to learn a lot of different skill sets. And those skill sets actually came into play when my mom actually got cancer. So it all kind of worked out. Wow, kind of went full circle there. That's awesome. (laughs) How's your mom now? Is she doing good? She's doing good. She's in remission. Uh, She's... um, what is it? A year and a half, I want to say, in yeah, remission. So they're that. still. They went from doing the every six weeks test to the three months to the six, and so now she's. I think she's at three or six month tests. I I can't remember time fly. You know, it all runs together when you're so busy that you're like, yeah. what day is it? Yeah, what day is it? <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so why does food taste differently when you're on chemo? So one of the big things with chemo that people don't realize or think about is it's it's not like a um, it's not like an antibiotic where you, you know like a topical antibiotic where you spray it on and it just affects that one located area. Chemotherapy goes throughout your entire body, your entire system. It affects every part of your body. That's why your hair falls out, your nails get brittle, your tongue gets you know your mouth gets covered in mouth sores. You lose your sense of smell, your sense of taste, and all that stuff's connected. It's it's. Chemo affects the entirety of the body. Now, chemo, as you guys know, but I will say for the audience, is a, a word for a general type of drug, for a general drug, drug classification. It's not one thing that you take. You know, it's not chemo brought to you by Bayer, you know. Right, it's not right. One, one product, and there are thousands of types of cancer. So when we say, you know, when we say, and we all know, when we say chemo, we mean in general chemotherapy. But, but in general, what chemotherapy does is it attacks your entire body. And because right. cancer doesn't just live in one part, you know, like just your just your breast or just your foot or just your liver, it can metastasize into everything. So they have to develop drugs that work for everything. So, as a result, it affects your entire body system in the process of doing it. And one of the things that happens during chemotherapy is your sense of smell and your taste buds get actually diminished and changed during chemotherapy. Mm. And that is what chemo does to your body. Okay, that makes sense. So what it, that metallic taste sometimes? Ugh. Yes, that is that is the worst, and um, that I'm not sure what causes that. I'm not sure if the scientific is because of like some kind of you know if the nerve endings are dying or if the you know if the messages are getting received. I haven't done any research into that personally. I just know how to compensate for it, okay. which is which the the way to really compensate for metallic tastes is to use a technique that I call a palate cleanse which is where you use either fresh herbs uh, like uh, parsley, basil, cilantro, something with that, that clean flavor or lemon, lime juice 
or uh, you know, red wine vinegar, balsamic vinegar, rice vinegar, something acidic that has a palate cleansing effect in your cooking, mm-hmm. and that actually will remove that flavor and will actually mask that metallic taste, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah, oh, that well, is that's cool. That's a great tip. Yeah, I you know. I had that. a I had a friend. <clears throat> excuse me. When I went through chemo the first time, I had a friend that brought over this beautiful casserole with chicken and rice and broccoli and cheese. And it, it, it was one of my favorite dishes that she used to, you know, cook for us. And then when she brought it over when I was on chemo, I almost gagged at the smell. And I had to leave the room and go upstairs. So it does, I mean, it wasn't just my, my mouth. It was my, my sense right. of smell, as you mentioned. And now to this day, the, when I picture that dish in my head, <laughs> oh. I kind of get the same reaction, which is very unfortunate because it was quite delicious before chemo. So, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty serious thing, and a lot of people end up eating foods that are different. Sadly, Ryan, I was really disappointed because I thought being on chemo and losing my appetite, I would actually lose weight, but I, it kind of didn't work that way. <laughs> uh, one of the things I learned about breast can- cancer treatment is most of the time during breast cancer treatment, you gain weight as opposed to losing it. Yeah, isn't that a bummer? I mean, yeah. really, you have to go through cancer and gain weight, really? Yeah, I mean, where's that silver lining, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, if it makes you ladies feel any better, it made me gain weight, too, because I was just oh. stress eating the whole time. So. <laughs> well, Where is that? I, uh, yes, and now I'm sure that's probably part of what I gained, why I gained as well. So, so when you're talking about cooking for chemo, that's what you're talking about, basically, is using different herbs and different ways of cooking to help with the taste. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. So what we kind of talk about is we talk about a a concept called roundness of flavor. And um, I hate to use this word because it's been capitalized on and, and changed from its original meaning, but Really, the way we cook is is a holistic way of cooking, and I don't mean that like it's organic and it's full of you know uh, it's vegan and non-GMO and all that stuff. It's I mean when I say holistic, I mean the literal definition of the word, which is taking the entirety of a thing as a whole and viewing it as interconnected. So so when you cook, it's not just like everyone thinks, oh, I got to put it in my mouth, so therefore the only thing that's involved is my mouth. Well, that's not true. Your entire body is involved in the entire process of of eating and cooking and experiencing. It's a sensory perception experience extravaganza. You can tell (laughs) I write that news. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So the biggest part of eating is actually not your mouth. Your mouth encompasses two parts of eating, which is tasting and the actual physical texture of eating. And, but the biggest part, the 90% part, as I say, is your nose. And your nose can actually distinguish trillions of individual scents, which is fascinating because, you know, if you smell basil or you smell licorice, you smell anise, they all smell and taste very similar. They're very close, but there's subtle perception differences in that licorice flavor. And it's our ability to smell that actually allows us to differentiate between all those flavors. It's not actually your tongue. Your tongue actually only perceives five flavors, which are savory, salty, spicy, sour, and sweet. And those five flavors are what your actual tongue perception has to do with it. But the rest of it, that that whole thing, like when you like close your eyes for a second and just think about the smell of pot roast, you know, simmering in the crock pot or turkey cooking in the oven on Thanksgiving, you think about it, but you don't taste it. You actually smell it. And your smell, your sense of smell is actually your strongest sense tied to memory. A lot of people don't realize that. But you can actually sit down and think about what did my grandpa smell like? And you can smell, you physically smell his cologne again. 
And so wow. that, that olfactory sense is so powerful in people, and that's why it turns people off. So and I was trying to write those down. Savory, sour, spicy, sweet, and what? Uh, it's savory, salt. It's, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, salty, salt. savory, spicy, sour, and sweet. And that's actually the way that I recommend that people uh, season their foods as well. Because salty is your primary flavor. It's the biggest flavor booster. It'll take, you know, if you take a little bit, you take, have you ever cooked chicken breast, you ever boiled it and tried to eat it? Yeah, it's nasty. It's just horrible. So if you take the same thing and you add a little bit of salt, all of a sudden that the pre-existing amino acids, especially the glutamate inside of the chicken breast, it pops and it makes this big flavor explosion. All of a sudden the salt boosts that savory aspect of the chicken. So now we have salty and savory. So then we want to add just a touch of warmth with our spiciness. And what that does is it fills out the flavor palette. It amplifies the pre-existing flavors. Then we... Then when we're cooking for chemotherapy, we add the sour to lower the weight. And then uh, an old Chinese te technique that was always taught to me was uh, sugar follows vinegar. So anytime you add vinegar or something sour, you want to balance it out with a sweet flavor. Oh. So you get the lightning benefits of the vinegar and the sour flavor, but you get the but you don't get that weird vinegary taste. You know, you get that sweetness, which is what your body wants. And sweet's another primary sense. It's just the ability to de detect, you know, glucose and fructose inside your foods. Interesting. Wow, well, that's I never thought. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's that's pretty amazing. So, but you know, when you talk when you talk about smell, I remember going to my um, aunt and uncle's house at the beach, and I had not been to this house for fifteen years because they had passed away, and it had you know been passed on to my cousin. And, um, but I remember walking into that house after not being in there for 15 years and it was like, woof, this, this smell just brought back, um, amazing memories. So I, I believe that statement about the smells because boy, oh boy, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy how it stays with you? <laughs> I know. I, I never expected that to happen. That was very odd. Now, I just was curious. Now... You know, hi, and, and again, our, our diets and, you know, we, we eat too much salt and we eat too much sugar. We eat too much of this and that and the other thing. And so it's interesting for you to talk about adding the salt and adding the sugar um, to get this rounded um, uh, palate taste or however you want to put that. And um, so so how do you how do you? fight against that, I guess, is what I'm asking. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say something that's going to really blow everyone's mind. And okay, good. That this is that you should be cooking at home anyways. So right. when you cook at home, you have control over your food and how much salt goes into it, how True. much sugar goes into it, how much fat, how much you know trans fats and all that stuff. All the things that they go, ah, it's scary, don't eat it, they're actually necessary nutrients, but... When you go out to eat at a fast food place, they're, they'll, the only way that they add flavor is by over-salting it or over-fatting it or over uh, sugar. Oh, yeah, that's when true. When you make it for yourself at home, you use fresh ingredients. Those have their own natural flavors in there, their own aromatic senses that fills everything in. So that's why, you know, that's why, you know, when you make something at home, it's not going to be nearly as salty as when you make it as if you got the same thing out, like... You know, uh, I'm trying to think of a really good example, like broccoli cheese casserole. That's just a great example right there. When I make it at home, it maybe gets two teaspoons of salt in there. Whereas if you eat it, if you go out or you buy canned soup or you buy, you know, pre-made ingredients, they have to incorporate extra salt in there to make sure that it's preserved and it holds its, uh, 
and it you know stays good for a while. And so, especially mm. if you go out to eat at like the fast food places, they're just chock full of salt. And that's right. just that's right. just it's just the nature of the beast. Just like if you get a frozen pizza, those are full of salt also, as well. So okay, mm. okay. So, so basically, the moral of the story is we want to cook at home more often. <laughs> And, well, and I right. certainly have more control, for sure. Unless Jesse's cooking, then maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> then we're making reservations. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, we have one more minute left in this segment. So just a real quick question. What makes this, your cooking for chemo, different than other cancer cookbooks? And if you can't finish it in a minute, we'll come back to it at the break. Okay, so we have the, the pitch line, which is, Cooking for chemo is different, and it's different because we focus on flavor. And that's our primary focus on getting you your food to taste great again and to make it so that you don't have, you know, we don't tell you what to eat and what not to eat. We help you make the foods that you want to eat taste great. Mm. Perfect. Well, that sounds fabulous. All right. Well, we're going to leave and take a quick break, and we would really like to encourage callers to call in, ask your questions. I mean, how often do you get to talk to a real-life chef? So. <laughs> And I'm not even yelling at anyone. Exactly. So we'd love to have you call. Our number is 866-472-5792. And we'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. So welcome back to our program. We've been talking about cooking for chemo with our guests, uh, Chef Ryan and his lovely wife, Jessie. So we wanted to kind of pick up where we left off before. Um, I just wanted to ask you real quick before we take our caller, um, what are the, some of the specific things that somebody could um, uh, cook with that would really be gentle on like mouth sores or, you know, if they've lost some of their flavor, um, you know, their taste buds aren't working right? So, the 
if I had to give some quick, like, five-second tips, you know, like some things that you really want to make sure you incorporate with. So uh, you have to think of everything as, like, an individual symptom. So, like, a mouth sore, it's, while it's part of the chemotherapy side effects, is its own problem that we need to address. So we address the mouth sores by sticking to softer, non-abrasive textures. And, you know, if they're really, really, really bad, you know, especially when you have head and neck cancer, uh, we run into this a lot. We get this this question, actually. It's, what can I eat on head, when I, I have head and neck cancer? I can't swallow. I have no saliva. And one of the things I always talk about is what's called a puree. It's, a, it's, it's basically exactly what it sounds like. It's baby food. And it's just a fancy way of saying it. And they were really, really popular in the early 1900s. Because there was this movement in the early 1900s of on pro-digestion and, and making sure that, you know, Kellogg's was founded by a guy who was obsessed with health and nutrition and thought that if you ate cornflakes every single day, you'd, you'd have great health and live forever. And so uh, purees were this, this movement, and they'd take regular foods like glazed carrots or, you know, like what, what we always say, like chicken and dumplings, something with some substantial, you know, carbohydrates, proteins, vegetables, all that kind of stuff, and you pureed them together. And the cool thing about a puree is it'll keep the same flavor as something that has a, um, is something that's a whole, uh, a, a whole item. Like you know, chicken and dumplings is going to have the dumplings and the chicken and the carrots and the celery. How I make it, at least. Um, but if you do it in a puree form, that's going to be really, really gentle on people who are having trouble with head and neck cancer, especially, uh, you know, especially if you have really bad mouth sores, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Now, yeah. as far as losing the taste buds we're going to compensate for that and we're going to boost those five flavors i talked about which is the salty savory uh spicy sour and sweet and we're going to you know we're going to season a little bit of each one of those flavors in a row and stir them together let them come back up and that's how we're going to season and compensate for that as well as adding aromatic uh herbs and spices to the dish so you know it, it's a little bit of trial and error uh, is the is the is the bad part about it, I should say. But the good part is you get to play in the kitchen and experiment and learn and feel fancy. So. Yeah, and still oh. get plenty of good <laughs> nutrition, so that's good. Hey, we have a caller on the line with us, and we'd like to bring her on. Gretchen, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi, Gretchen. Thanks for calling our show today, and welcome. Um, did you have a question for Chef Ryan or want to share I, your story? I What's... Well, yeah, um, a little bit about me. Um, I, uh, during... I went through chemo a couple of years ago, as you guys know, and um, I kind of transitioned at that time over to a plant-based, more of a plant-based diet. And so um, I have found that uh, just overall I feel way, way better than I used to. I eat salmon, but I don't eat red meat, and I eat very little chicken. But what I'm finding and that where I'd like um, Chef Ryan's advice is I don't, I don't really care for a lot of chicken anymore. Um, my palate is changing to the point where it's really difficult for me to find protein sources that I like. Um, so I, I just wanted some advice on uh, good, you know, protein sources that are still healthy. Sure, absolutely. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you're you're looking for lean proteins. You got to have that protein. Protein is the building blocks of your cells. It is important. You got to have it. I mean, you don't get to be a big, strong, muscly bear like me, you know, without some protein. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I actually went through the same thing. Um, I used to be a vegetarian. Um, I was a vegetarian for about a year and a half. And then growing up working in Chinese restaurants, we didn't eat a lot of meat, you know, being part of the, the you know, being part of the family. It just... 
you know, a Chinese dish, in reality, it's not General Tso's chicken or sweet and sour chicken, a whole bunch of meat, and then a sauce. It's actually 90% vegetables with a little bit of tofu and a little bit of meat. So one of the hardest transitions for me was actually coming back from Texas and eating pretty much a borderline vegetarian diet my, for the last year and working my tail off and then going and trying to eat things like hamburgers and cheeseburgers and things. And so right. I don't know. And so protein, it's important. So you can get protein in things like, uh, of course, you can get them in lentils, which you have to soak for like three days. And then you can get them in chickpeas. All kinds of beans and legumes have protein. Um, I really like tofu as a protein supplement. Um, it's one of my favorites. But the trick to tofu is that you have to know how to do it. And, and the key to tofu is knowing first what it is, which is it's condensed bean curd made out of soybeans. And secondly, mm -hmm. how to prepare it. And tofu comes in, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this, but it, it comes in different consistencies, either from soft, mm -hmm. which, is, which is good for like scrambled eggs, synthetic scrambled eggs, or really, really extra firm like pressed tofu, which is called dofugan. And what that is, is it's basically like a hockey puck of tofu, which is basically, <laughs> it, it really is. They press it down until all the water comes out of the bean curd. And then you slice it real thin, you stir fry it up, you, you add it in. But um, now tell me on the, you're having trouble with chicken. I have a little bit of trouble with chicken because of the smell. There's like an American chicken, there's this, there's this light, like uh, pungency to it. Is that the problem you're having with it? Or what is the situation? Describe that a little bit for me. It's totally the smell. It is the smell, and I, I'm, and I used to eat chicken all the time before, but um, now for some reason it just kind of disgusts me when I smell it. <laughs> so, um, and that, I think it's because I eat a clean diet, so so clean that I don't have any any other sort of smell like it anymore. Um, and and like you said, I don't eat out a lot. I cook almost all of my food at home. And um, I just noticed that, and I've only been trying to reintroduce it in the last few months, and I just, I just don't find it to be very satisfying. Even sure. even after I get past the smell, it, it really just doesn't um, have the flavor. It it just doesn't taste all that great to me, and it smells really bad. <laughs> chicken is, in fact, my least favorite food. I don't even like eggs. Uh, something about chicken, it does the same thing to me. It, it just smells a little off. So what mm -hmm. I would recommend is trying, um, I don't know if you're willing to incorporate a little bit of white meat pork, like some pork loin. It's really, really lean. And just okay. start with small amounts, real thin cut. Like in, in, when I say this, I mean like cut this as thin as possible. And so especially when you're doing, doing when you're reintroducing it, your body gets used to breaking things down and then, you know, it re has to relearn. So to break it down as much as you can for it. So don't go out and try, like, you know, don't go out and get some pulled pork sandwiches, you know, at the barbecue place down the street from you. That actually sounds mm -hmm. really good. Now I'm thinking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> try, try getting, like, some real thinly cut pork chops. Marinate them in, you know, a dry marinate them, a little bit of seasoning, salt, black pepper, and garlic. And then when you go to cook them, just slice them real thin, like some, some thin strips, and then serve, stir fry them. A little bit of garlic, a little bit of olive oil. Use the pure olive oil, not the extra virgin, because the extra virgin burns a lot faster, and it's a lot more expensive. It's not very good for cooking. But if you do that and you add a little bit of vinegar, it's going to take that smell. I mean, we're talking like a touch of vinegar, like maybe a, a teaspoon and a teaspoon of sugar to balance that out and saute that all up together and give that a try in addition to what you're eating. Um, 
and see if that doesn't work a little bit better for you. Because it sounds to me like what's happening is your 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 olfactory sense is overpowering the rest of your flavors, and you're smelling it. You're going, oh, I don't like that, and so it's giving you a negative experience. Try get, or incorporating a little bit of vinegar in there, and that should take out any kind of smell. It's going to basically act as a cleanser, uh, effectively. Um, you know, we use vinegar to clean surfaces. It works the same for your nose. Interesting. And do you mean just, just white vinegar? Is that what you're okay. talking about? Great question. So I recommend red wine vinegar or balsamic vinegar or rice wine vinegar. Uh, white oh, okay. vinegar is better for cleaning and dyeing eggs, whereas red wine okay. vinegar, especially, uh, especially red wine, okay, so balsamic vinegar is aged red wine vinegar. And rice vinegar yeah. is, is a Chinese vinegar made out of, out of rice. And so it's a little sweeter almost kind of like an apple cider vinegar. So you want to kind of look like at the wine vinegar. So red wine vinegar, okay. balsamic vinegar, rice wine vinegar. Okay. Because if you put and the white wine say, vinegar on... I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> uh, if you use white wine vinegar, it's just going to turn you off completely. That smell on it, it's just... It's too pungent. It's just gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna spin you all around. It's gonna do absolutely the opposite of what we're trying to do here, which is get you back your sense of taste. Okay. And when you say pure olive oil, um, I have uh, I have a good brand of olive oil that I use, um, but it is extra virgin. So, so where, what's the difference? That's maybe, a great question. That's yeah. Right. Let maybe explain the difference because I don't even know. So um, extra vir- so olive oil is all very similar. So extra virgin olive oil comes from the very first olives that come off of an olive tree. It actually, do these really pretty trees, and so they pull them off. They're the first fruit that comes off, and they press them. And they press them early, and they press them cold. And so what happens is it gets this green color because the olives are still green, and then it also carries this floral scent to it. So extra virgin olive oil is actually for eating raw. That's what it's designed for. It's got that nice, uh, it's got that mm-hmm. nice floral notes, the prettiness. It's great with bread, and that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Salads. That's what you're using it for. Well, oh. pure olive oil is the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth pressing. It's yellow. It looks like any other vegetable oil, but it's still that has the health benefits of the extra virgin olive oil. Um, also has the lower smoke point, which means you don't want to put it over medium. Anything over medium heat, you do not want to use an olive oil because it's going to burn. And it's going to make everything taste mm-hmm. bad. So, but the pure olive oils for sautéing and cooking and stuff like that, it's also a lot cheaper. Um, so, saving you some money there. But you can sauté with extra virgin olive oil if that's all you have. It's just going to lose all the properties that make it the extra virgin olive, the, the fun part of the extra virgin olive oil, why you pay more for it. And should you cook it on a lower heat then, too, because, because of the burn factor? Yes. You want to keep okay. any, uh, any olive oil of any kind, if you're going to saute with it, you want to keep it a medium heat or lower. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, good. So, Gretchen, good. did that answer your questions? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thanks <laughs> for calling in. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great day. Thank All you. All right. So, um... I think we're kind of getting the idea of why people need cooking for chemo, but I'm sure there's probably a little bit more to it. So you want to share that? Sure. Um, well, and that's, that's actually kind of where our videos come in and, um, and where I come in on the videos as I represent people like Gretchen on our Cooking for Chemo live show that we actually just launched a couple weeks ago. 
Huh. Um, and Ryan, he, we cook a recipe and we go through it and I'm standing there saying, what's that? Why do we do that? Why does this smell funny? Oh my God, I think I burned that last time. Can you show me how to not burn it this time? <laughs> so that's, you know, that's the direction we're heading. You know, Ryan wrote the cookbook and we realized, you know, people still need more information about how and why and, and the difference between the olive oils and what's the difference between vinegars and a vinaigrette and why do you need to use them uh, when you cook different things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fascinating. I had no idea there's so much difference between, like you said, the the vinegars, which I'm not a big vinegar girl, but now that I know the trick to add a little sugar with it, I maybe I'll use them a little more. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm a big fan of salt and vinegar potato chips, but maybe oh. I ought to throw a little sugar in the bag there, too. <laughs> 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 like, kind of like my um, my guilty pleasure. I just, it's like, I, they need to stay away from me because the minute I buy a bag, I have to find people to share it with right away. Because I don't want to eat the whole bag, and I will. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Easy to do, easy to do. Okay, so it looks like we have um, just a few minutes before our break. So we have another caller, Yvonne from Portland. Hi, guys. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Hi honey. Thanks for calling. Hi, Chef Ryan. I've just been sitting here enjoying everything you're saying. I am a... I, I'm a cancer survivor, but I'm also a uh, wannabe chef. So you're just you're fascinating, and thank you for sharing everything today. Go on, do go on. <laughs> oh, yes, and I'd love to be a taste sampler if you ever happen to need someone. You know, like they did in the old days, where somebody tasted the food to make sure it was safe. I'd be happy to volunteer. <laughs> We're not foodies or anything here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Chef Ryan, I had uh, a comment I was going to make when you talked earlier about going through chemo with food, I was kind of the exception to every rule that comes down the pike. I had severe food aversions where I quite honestly lost almost 25 pounds going through chemo, which, uh, you know, I, I know is not normally what happens. And yeah, part of right, my right. problem, <laughs> I know, really, it's like, wow, how, how, could I, how can I tap back into that energy level, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but what I found that was really interesting is going through, I could not get even close to any type of carbohydrate uh, when I had just finished my treatment. Um, the The... The, the smell, the texture, but not even the texture. If I tried to put a piece of bread in my mouth or a cracker or a, a, a noodle, uh, it's like my, my body turned it away. There was like the gate that was shut that said, no, you can't eat that. And uh, I just found it very interesting that it wasn't even so much a matter of putting it in my mouth. It was just the, the whole thought concept of eating it was was really detrimental, and uh, I actually, oddly enough, when I would start to get my appetite back uh, later on in, say, like a week or so, uh, the things that sounded good to me were so strange. The number one food I wanted to eat was trout. Mm-hmm. Wow, which, that is odd. Know, again, <laughs> I mean, how strange is that? And my husband would find a way to find a restaurant that was serving trout and baked beans. So, you know, again, I'm just kind of throwing this out there because I wish I had had your book when I was going through, and I hope, you know, if there's ladies out there that are, you know, going through this process and and facing those kinds of challenges that the concepts you're giving, I mean, I can see the logic behind it, you know, disguising and and giving that that different scent to food before you eat it could really make a huge difference. 
Yeah, that's great. Chef Ryan, we only have about less than a minute before the next break. So if you can give a quick answer, great. If not, we'll just keep Yvonne on through the break, and we'll come back and answer this some more. So, sure. Um, I'll give the short part of the answer to hook everybody through the break. Um, okay. <laughs> baked beans and trout actually makes perfect sense. Baked beans are fatty. You're, that makes a uh, It's a complicated carbohydrate, which you need to sustain long power. Um, and the trout is going to be full of all kinds of lean protein and also healthy fats. And so mm-hmm. that actually makes complete and total sense that that's what your body was craving. It wasn't looking for the short-term carbohydrate boost. Because you were losing weight so fast, you were looking, your body was searching for the long-term power boost, you know, and that's what it was looking for. It makes perfect, complete, total sense. So you're not a weirdo. You make total sense to me. (laughs) And we're going to come back after the break and finish this conversation because I have a hunch there's a lot more where that came from. So we are going to take a short break. We do want to encourage callers to call in with your questions or just have a chance to talk to a live chef on on the radio. And our number is 866-472-5792. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking about cooking for chemo with Chef Ryan and his lovely wife, um, Jessie. And uh, we just answered a question. Um, uh, Yvonne, are you still there, hon? I, I am. And I have to say, I feel like I've had a light turned on that I've always wondered <laughs> all these years. Um, I seriously always kind of felt like it was just an, a very random choice of foods. But, you know, listening to you talk today, Chef Ryan, I, I you know, I can see the pieces coming together that it actually was my body making sense of what was going on i just think that's fascinating yeah that's great well thank you so much for calling yvonne we actually have another caller lisa with us thank you so much bye-bye hi lisa hi there 
Hi. So did you have a, a question for Chef Ryan or Jesse? I did, yes. Well, first I just wanted to echo what Yvonne said. It's The cravings do really make sense when you think about them. For me, it was um, chicken and scrambled eggs. That's like all I wanted all the time. Protein. And I'm sure it had, yeah, probably that protein boost maybe or... Yeah, the cholesterol helps make testosterone, which helps rebuild your protein, especially uh, going through chemotherapy and reconstruction surgeries and things like that. Your body needs that protein to rebuild the muscles and your cells and everything. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's really interesting. And then I just had a question for you about oils. Um, You were talking earlier about olive oil and not using it at really high temperatures. I do, I roast a lot of vegetables, and I'm just curious, uh, like 400, 425 degrees, is there an oil that you think is ideal for doing that? So when you're going to be in that higher heat range like that, you're going to want to use something, well, you're going to be roasting, so I'd recommend a canola oil. Um, Canola, A lot of people are really big on coconut oil these days. That's, Um, yeah. I, I try not to recommend things to people that I personally can't afford. So, okay. yeah. so coconut oil will really work. It's really, it's really healthy. Um, you know, I've just never personally used it. I just, I know that the canola oil or the corn oils, those types of things, I don't really care for soybean oil personally. Yeah. It's just, it's got this weird ground flavor. I can't describe it. It tastes like dirt to me. And, <laughs> and I really can't. Tell them how you feel, honey. <laughs> um, I really like, you know, canola is really healthy. It's one of the healthiest oils out there. It works really good for high heat sauteing. It's cheaper than dirt. And so, but if you want to try coconut oil, that'll work just as well too. So you want to get, especially when you're doing that higher heat stuff. So what are you doing when you roast? Tell me about that. Oh, you know what? I, this is my favorite way to prepare vegetables. And I guess I'm curious too about the the nutrients being retained at that heat sure. level. But um, but I would say I do a lot of um, broccoli, um, cauliflower, um, sweet potatoes, and um, you know I'll throw in peppers, onions, zucchini, and I, I pretty I keep it pretty simple with just like oil and salt. But if you have any other seasoning recommendations, I'd love to hear them. So uh, one of the cool things about salt with vegetables a lot of people don't think about is what salt actually does to the cell walls of uh, vegetables, especially things like broccoli. What it does Uh is it actually pulls the moisture out from behind the cell walls, and what that does is it makes them softer. And it also helps with the stinkiness. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that that broccoli is like one of the stinkiest things in the world, but I love it, and I think it's like the greatest thing on earth, and I eat a ton of it. But... Uh, that salt that goes into those vegetables, it actually works its way all the way through, boosting all the natural flavors that exist. I love garlic on everything. I mean, if you watch our videos. <laughs> yeah, me too. We talk about garlic <laughs> yeah. all the time. I mean, we go through like several pounds of it a month, which is why my hair, hair, and, hair and nails are so great. Um, but <laughs> and there's a difference, too, between table salt and kosher salt, which right. I learned, you know, being on the show with on our cooking show with Ryan. And uh, you want to tell her the difference between yeah. them? Yeah, sure. And that's what I'm actually going to talk about next is, so uh, when you're using salt and you're cooking with it, you want to use kosher salt. And the reason for this is it's got those bigger flakes. So they dissolve better into the food, number one. But number two, because they're so much bigger, your eyes immediately lie to you and say, oh, this is so much more salt, as opposed to when you use the iodized oh. salt. 
you're going to end up putting a lot more sodium on your food, and your food's going to end up being a lot saltier than you actually wanted it to be or needed it to be. Um, at first, if you're used to a higher salt intake, you'll be like, oh, there isn't really enough salt on here. But over time, you'll get, you'll get used to it again. And so that kosher salt will tell your brain, oh, hey, this is too much salt on here. You know, like when I make, when I make barbecue, I salt the outside of, of my roast. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, I'm going to die of heart disease like tomorrow <laughs> if I eat this. But, but it's way less. Uh, kosher salt, I believe, has a third less sodium than actual table salt has per serving just because of the, the way that the flakes are made. Huh. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I that like actually makes sense. Questions. Yeah. I like I like veggies. Salt, pepper, garlic. Keep it simple. Salt, pepper, garlic. Okay, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for calling, Lisa. We appreciate it. So. Yeah. When, oh, thanks when, for all the great information. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. So let's get back to this. Uh, uh, a copy of your cooking book. You have a cookbook, uh, Cooking for Chemo, is that right? That's correct, Cooking for Chemo and After. Okay, and After. Okay, that's good, too. So we're talking about dealing with, you know, a healthy diet. So let me just ask you a quick question, um, too, about organic or not organic. What's, what's, your, what's your feel about that? This is Ryan's favorite subject to talk on. <laughs> Yay! I'm glad I touched on it then. Notice the sarcasm in my voice. No. <laughs> Man, I really shouldn't say anything because they're going to crucify me. Uh, well, you know, I'm just curious. Honest, if you want my honest opinion, you know, if you feel that organic is going to be better for you, and you, the the people will argue me all day and all night, but. Eating organic is a choice. It's just like being a vegetarian or a vegan or eating meat or not eating meat or whatever you do to eat or low sodium or high sodium. A lot of that is personal choice. That You feel that it makes you feel better and therefore it's going to make you feel better. A lot okay. of that is a byproduct of, of your mentality. Right. They did do a massive FDA study for 50 years to, and they determined that there is no, it was either USDA or FDA, and they determined there was no direct health benefits to eating organic. So I personally don't eat organic. I just watch what I eat. I'm very careful with what I eat. I make sure that I don't eat foods that are contaminated or bad or from other places. And the big thing that what happens, the health benefits that really happen when you go organic or, you know, whatever, it's you are incorporated better vitamins and minerals into your, into your stuff because you're taking responsibility for your health. So if going organic helps you eat healthier, it gets you those lean proteins, more veggies, better carbohydrates, better starch, then by all means, go go to Whole Foods and, and, and buy that stuff. But if you can control it and do it yourself, it's really more about eating fresh than it is about eating organic or non-organic. Okay. Uh, and so I appreciate I that. Yeah. I have another question for you, too. I heard this great comedian talk about <laughs> cage-free chicken you know, the kind that have dreams and they, sure. you know, they're free versus the kind that aren't. Is there really a difference? I mean, besides the way they're treating the animals, which, of course, is important. So I make light of it. But I, <sighs> but it really, is there a difference in the, in the quality of the chicken or the eggs when you're eating cage-free? Um, in my experience, not really. Now, I will say there is a difference in freshness of eggs. Typically, okay. the... Eggs that you get at the supermarket that are triple A grade, you know, tri- triple grade A, those are actually six weeks old already. Oh. Um, oh. Eggs are actually not graded on quality. Eggs are determined as to whether they're consumable by humans or consumable by animals. And uh-huh. so they're separated by that all right away. And then it takes about six weeks to get a, a fresh egg 
from the farm to your house. Now, cage-free eggs do tend to be a little fresher, but what ends up happening is if you try to make sunny-side-up eggs with, with an old egg, right, you're gonna, it's not gonna work, it's not gonna hold, hold up, it's gonna end up falling. What happens is the yolk starts degrading, but the fresher of an egg you have, you cannot make scrambled eggs with it because it will not fall apart. Um, oh, interesting. So it's really, as far as eggs can last for months, like six months, eight months, something like that. They last forever. I don't know why they just last forever um, <laughs> when they're properly stored. And so the, the big difference there is really, you know, cage-free eggs. Do I want to buy from happy chickens or unhappy chickens? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm going to end up eating the chicken either way. So exactly. I hope it's happy. It's happy. So either way, he's not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my aunt owns a dairy, her family owns a dairy farm, and they treat their dairy cows very humanely and very nicely. Of course, I'm in the Midwest. I know someone who owns a dairy dairy farm, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so they treat their animals nicely, and I think their milk tastes better, that, but it has a lot to do with, like, on that stuff, it has more to do with the feed. You know, my, my uncle's a food scientist, and one of the things they found out was that how big a chicken gets is has to do with the corn. Is it corn, how much soybean to how much corn you feed them? So... You know, it's really about finding the food that you like best more than anything else, I think. That's okay. awesome. Good. Well, All we right. We wanted to actually find out, and we don't have a lot of time left on our show, but we have, you know, a few more minutes. So would you tell us a little bit again about how this whole thing with cooking for chemo got started? I know there was your mom had something to do with it, but tell us how that came about and what your mission is for this whole thing. So uh, when I'm going to go way back when, and uh, so when I was... Remember, Ryan, we only have a few more minutes. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) I am long-winded. It's a problem. Um, Basically, both of my grandfathers died from cancer when I was in high school, within a year of each other. And then my best friend in college, who was a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo and a personal trainer, got cancer and died as well. Uh, I mean, he ate healthy. He worked out every day. He did all the stuff that everybody says, oh, you got to do this, and this will cure cancer. Well, that didn't cure his cancer because he still got four. He, was, he got diagnosed at stage four at 21. So, mm-hmm. so it, was, it was a tragedy. And so then by this point in time, I was so scarred by cancer and chemotherapy that when my mom called me, I was working at a family restaurant in Texas, and when she called, when she called me, she's like, I, there's a lump. Um, they found out my mom's a scientist. And so my mom is very logical. So when she does, it's like, what? They found something, you know, it's like talking, you know, my, our conversations are like talking to Spock, you know, it's like Spock one. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Ryan, they have informed me there is a mass in my breast. Oh, oh that's wow. very interesting mother. You know, and then she'd call back and go, they found that they need to have treatments to this. So what happened is we moved out there and I had the time and the opportunity to, to be her full-time caregiver and being a chef, I wasn't going in the previous experiences. I wasn't going to let my mom die from cancer because my experience at that point in time was that you literally starved to death on chemotherapy. That was my only experience with it, mm-hmm. and and that reinforced three times. And so we we took I took notes every day of everything I made for her and all the food and all the changes. And one day I was googling, you know, how do you cook for people going through chemotherapy? Because if you look for a recipe online, it's there. You want to make French onion soup, it's there. There was no recipe for how to cook for people going through cancer or chemotherapy. And so I called around to our dietitian, our oncologist, the local cancer organizations, a bunch of places, and they're like, no, there isn't anything like this. You know, you can try this or try this, but nothing had worked. And here I had in my journal, uh, my tasting journal, literally everything I needed to know how to do it. And it finally all clicked when I was making chicken and dumplings. I just added, I was making chicken and dumplings. I added 
two tablespoons of vinegar, two tablespoons of sugar, mixed it all together, balanced the flavors, balanced the aromatics, and I gave it to her. And at this point in time, she was eating like little bits and pieces of things. And she went back for three bowls of chicken and dumplings at this point. Oh, that's great. It was, it was like a miracle. It was like yeah, a light so bulb you knew you, were, you, you knew you were onto something, didn't you? Exactly. <laughs> that moment, that's like, great. I have something here. And so that's yeah. how cooking for chemo kind of got started. And then I, I nagged him relentlessly for, for two, years. two years, telling him that he needed to put all this information in a book. Good. Teach and share with people not only of his skill level, but of my skill level of burning grilled cheese and turning <laughs> charcoal. <laughs> you guys sound like you're an awful lot of fun. And before we run out of time, we want you to tell us and our listeners, how do we get a copy of Cooking for Chemo? And then how do we watch your live cooking show? And we sure. have to go quickly now. We have two so, minutes left. Uh, all of our stuff is actually available on our website, which is cookingforchemo.org. You can find our email. You can find our live show. You can find our, our how to buy our book. There's actually a page called How to Buy Our Cookbook. It's underneath Get Started. <laughs> and then our cooking show is, of course, on YouTube as well as every Wednesday at 9 a.m. is when we post a new episode. Okay. Um, and so they can find it that way. I recommend that everybody subscribes to it. That way you have a friendly little reminder on your smartphone. And you get a nice little couple-minute video. Oh, good. And you can good. watch it. So they go to your website then, which was cookingforchemo.org, and they can subscribe there to your YouTube and notice it and get all those notices? Or Well, you'll be able to go to our YouTube channel to subscribe, but speaking of subscribing, we do have a cooking club that we do that we send out emails and send the videos directly to you as well. So that is also an option. Excellent. Great. Great. Yeah. That's, and, that's and wonderful. When we were on a break, you'd mentioned that um, – that, uh, uh, Chef Ryan doesn't mind taking uh, emails, questions, that kind of stuff. So why don't you give us your email as well? Sure. Uh, please don't send any hate mail. Just send love. All these nice callers. <laughs> you guys, we work really hard at this every day, so please send us love. Um, uh, so it's cookingforchemo at gmail.com. Yay. All right. Cookingforchemo at gmail.com. That sounds wonderful. You guys have been amazing guests with us today. It's been a lot of fun. I think our callers probably really enjoyed it. And, and this will actually be uh, aired again this evening at 10 p.m. Pacific. And then it will be in our archives as well. So people can go to our host page and just listen to you when it's convenient um, for you. So thank you guys so much. Is there one last, like... 30 second that you can give us in a nutshell one little piece of advice for those who are either cooking for chemo for themselves or for someone that they love. Um, the best piece of advice that I can give you is don't give up. Ah. Study what they do. Uh-huh. Watch the flavors that change and look for the things that your loved one is getting sensitive to. And if okay. they're not, if, and, and that's what you need to do and make keep a log of it. That's the best thing to do. Well, thank you so much, you guys. And this is it for today. And we will be back next week. And we just want to remind you that there is always hope. And we are here to help you find it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.